first scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 89, verses 1 through 4. Hear now the word of the Lord. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The second scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 17 through 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Jesus was asked a lot of questions during his ministry on earth, and he seldom gave a simple answer. More commonly, he responded with a story or a parable, something that illustrated the nature of God or the relationships that we were supposed to have with our neighbors and one another. And so this morning, I wanted to start off by taking a note from Jesus' book and telling you a story. It's not a true story, but hopefully it can illustrate something that we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. So imagine that you have gone to this major event. It's something that's been hyped up all around the state for months. You've been looking forward to it. You've gone with a group of your friends and there are thousands upon thousands of other people in attendance. It's a big conference. There are speakers, there's events, there's music. There's all kinds of things. But once you get there, you find yourself separated from the people that you've gone with. And to make it worse, You've never been in this venue before, so you don't know where anything is. You don't have your map. Your friends had that. You don't have your schedule, so you don't know when things are happening. You don't know where you're supposed to go or how to get back to the place where you agreed to meet back up with them should you get separated. You're completely lost. But looking around, you spot someone wearing a brightly colored t-shirt that says, have questions? Just ask. And so you go over them and say, hey, I've, I've gotten separated, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty well lost. I've never been here before. Can you help me uh, find this event that I'm trying to get to, this, uh, this speaker? He said, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not sure where that is. I'm sorry. And so you say, okay, well, maybe you can tell me at least when they're speaking. I can follow the crowd, maybe. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people, and this is a pretty big thing. So that, that might be helpful. Well, I'm sorry, I don't really know the schedule that well, either. So you say, okay, well, at least can you point me towards an information desk or a resource center or something like that? 
Well, I'm not sure if we have one of those, but if we do, you might want to ask somebody else because I don't know where that is either. And so as this continues on, finally you get to the point where you just have to wonder, hey, you've got the shirt on, but do you actually work here or did you just like find that in a thrift store or spill it from someone or what? What's going on? The person shrugs and walks away and you're left just as lost as you were when you started. But this time, as you look around and see another brightly colored shirt in the distance, you have to wonder, are they going to be able to help me either? Because the last one didn't do so great of a job. In this story, which is kind of a shallow illustration of a very deep truth, something that something that comes up is the fact that by wearing this shirt, by claiming this role as a helper, as a volunteer, this unhelpful person was claiming to know what was going on. They were making themselves available and visible to everybody that was there. But when the time came, it turned out that that shirt didn't mean anything at all. They were acting as though they'd been claimed, and indeed, maybe they were given that shirt by the people in charge, but they didn't really know what was going on at all. Scripture tells us in Song of Solomon that love is like a seal placed upon a person's heart. That's what God's love is for us as well. It's like a seal that's placed on us. We've been marked and claimed as God's children, as members of his family. We've been brought into the kingdom of heaven. We have this seal upon us. But it's easy to say that God has claimed us as his own and that we are a part of that kingdom. And it's easy to say that that changes everything. But it's hard to say exactly what that means. Exactly what that claim changes in our lives. This morning we read from Ephesians chapter 1. And over the next several weeks we're going to go chapter by chapter through the book of Ephesians. If you look at it, you'll see that there are six chapters, but in fact, this is going to take seven weeks. Not because I'm going to stretch one out, but because I'm going with the youth on their each mission trip. Uh, and so we'll just have to skip a week. But we are taking a six-week study and making it seven weeks long. But I want to invite you, as we read through this book, I want to invite you to read along as well, just one chapter a week. And to be thinking, because the book of Ephesians, at its core, is Paul writing to a church and saying, you've been claimed by God. Here is what that means. Here's how this changes everything. It tells a story about how God's claim changes relationships and changes lives and values. And that's exactly what we're going to be looking at for the next seven weeks. Paul begins with two points in the scripture that we read this morning. First, that we have a great inheritance through Jesus Christ who has claimed us for God. And second, that we don't appreciate what that means. That we can't appreciate what that means. 
He says, we've been adopted. This is the language that he uses, and indeed, the entire New Testament uses. He says that we have been adopted into God's house, but we don't understand just how great and how magnificent that house is. So when Paul says that we have an inheritance through this adoption, through Jesus Christ, he has to follow that up by saying, we have this inheritance, but we have no idea how big it truly is. Because we don't know how big God truly is. And so he starts with a prayer. We know that there's power in prayer, and Paul's prayer for the people of Ephesus was that they might find wisdom, that God might grant them the ability to see that he was bigger than they were imagining. He was bigger than they believed. Because only by doing that, only by understanding the greatness of God and the magnitude of his power, could they begin to understand what it meant to have a great inheritance from him. Because we can't know what we're inheriting without knowing who we're inheriting it from. Paul prays for wisdom for the people of Ephesus because it's hard to understand the greatness of God's power. When we think of greatness, we're very limited in scope. What do we think of when we think God is great? If we imagine a demonstration of God's power, what do we think of? That good things might happen or that we might find health or success? Is that the extent to which God's greatness spreads in our eyes? Because Paul says it's something so much bigger than that. Paul says that the power of God that's within us is the same power that not only lifted Christ from the grave, that not only overcame the worst that this world had to offer in death, but in fact raised him up and seated him in heaven alongside God the Father. It's power that's stronger than death and greater than success. It's power that gives hope to those who are trapped in deep despair and peace to those who are trapped in turmoil. It's greatness that extends far beyond any kingdoms on earth. It extends beyond Rome in the first century and every kingdom that's arisen since. It's a kingdom that's ruled over by Christ and in that rule, through that power, we can begin to see just how great this power, this inheritance truly is. We should be praying for wisdom ourselves as well, because as we come to know God more fully, we might find that we experience a change in our outlook. And we find part of this inheritance that Paul describes because Paul tells us that one of the things that we inherit is hope. And by understanding how great God is, or even by beginning to understand, we begin to understand that we are placing our faith and our trust in one who's stronger than anything that can stand against him. If that doesn't inspire hope, then I don't think there's anything that can. We inherit 
hope. And when we can trust that there is a good plan for the future, that there is a plan that God is bringing to fruition, that the good work that he started in us and in our world will be completed, when we can place our trust and our hope in that, and we can find that all of this despair and all of this turmoil might fall away, and it becomes easier for us to look towards God. The second thing that Paul says that we inherit is community. Now this might not be as, it might not seem like as big of a deal to us as it would have to these people hearing it in the first century, but the truth is this was a big statement. To say that we were brought into the kingdom of God, that we were adopted into God's household, that's claiming that the kingdom of God is no longer just a place. It's no longer limited to just one people, but is available to us as well. The kingdom of God, prior to Christ, was a very real and tangible place. And what Paul is saying is that that's not true anymore. But instead, through the church, God has made his kingdom, has made his people available to all who want to come and enter into it. We can have that perfect community that God has made possible by rallying around him, by rallying around his work in our lives. We can be brought together into deeper relationships with one another and with God. We inherit a place among God's people. And that carries, just like a person with a volunteer t-shirt, it carries rights and responsibilities. The seal that God has placed on us carries immense blessings. Because through it, we inherit hope and community, and as Paul says, the power of God upon us. But it also comes with responsibility. The responsibility to live in to the promises that God has made for the world. Because if we are members of his holy household, then we're called to behave as members of his holy household. In the same way that a child adopted into a family comes to learn the values of the family, so too are we called to begin to imitate Christ throughout our lives. That means two things. That means first that we have to imitate him ourselves in our own personal spiritual journeys. We have to hold fast to disciplines. We have to study scripture because that's how we come to know God better. We have to immerse ourselves in prayer. Not only for ourselves and not only for our community, but for everyone around us. And then we're called to live just as Christ did, an outwardly focused life that's meant to bring people closer to God and to bring other people into the blessings of his community. Friends, we do have a great inheritance through Christ. It's not greatness as defined by our world, but it's so much it, uh, so much bigger than that. It's so much greater than the greatness that we imagine. 
Worldly richness, worldly riches are temporary. Because if you place your hope in them, then at the end of the day, it all ends the same way. It all fades away. When you find the richness that we inherit through Christ, the spiritual richness of new life, and what you find is that that is eternal. We're placing our hope in a God that extends forever, whose power and reign, whose mercy and grace extend into eternity. And we are saying that we have inherited a place alongside him in that kingdom. Thanks be to God.